0: This is The Guardian. Just a quick warning before we get started. Today's episode contains descriptions of war and graphic violence and may not be appropriate for some listeners. The provincial capital of Zarand was the Taliban's first casualty, captured on August 6th. I'm Jane Lee and this is The Full Story. It started a chain reaction of militant occupation. One year ago today... Afghanistan fell to the Taliban soon after the U.S., Australia and other allied forces ended their 20-year so-called war on terror. While outside the last remaining U.S. base at Kabul airport, chaos continues. This is what crowds have to face to get inside. Shooting, violence, Taliban whips. The heartbreaking images of desperate people at Kabul airport haunted us then, But the reality is, many of these people are probably still in Afghanistan today. Over 200,000 people have sought asylum in Australia. And so far, we've only granted 6,000 permanent humanitarian visas.
1: Hello. Hi, ma'am. How are you? I'm good. Good, you? good, good, good. Thank you nice so much. <laughs> nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Yeah, very, very well.
0: Today you'll hear from one man who made it out on the last flight and what his life has been like since leaving his homeland. It's
1: a very um, old Afghan tradition to oh. offer you a cup of tea when you come to our house. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome.
0: It's Monday, the 15th of August. Could we maybe just start with your full name and a little bit about who you are?
1: Uh, my name is Noor. My full name is Noor Muhammad Ramazan. And uh, I was evacuated from Afghanistan uh, last year, uh, mid-August after the fall of Afghanistan. And uh, I have a family. I have two children. I, I have my beautiful wife with me here and um, I'm I'm happy, but I'm still uh feeling uh, sad about about all my friends and family members that I left behind. Unfortunately, the, the situation was something that I couldn't really do more and I couldn't stay longer in Afghanistan. So I had to leave the country.
0: Today, Noor lives with his wife and two children in Melbourne. Can you tell me a little bit about your children?
1: My son's name is Daniel. Originally, we call it Daniel in Persian. I thought in my mind that one day Daniel will go to educate himself out of the country. And I wanted him to have a, a name that matches everything everywhere. So his name is Daniel and uh, he's, uh, he's going to school now. Uh, my daughter's name is Diana. She's, she's going to childcare now. And uh, they're, they're happy. My son is learning English very well.
0: I just wanted to talk about this for a
1: second. You've got the wor- <laughs> these blue words on your door. Uh, these, uh, these are my son's homework. I just hang them here. Anytime my son passed through this door, he, he should see and remember these words. <laughs> so these are the words that he didn't know at the beginning. Now he knows all of them.
0: Yeah, yeah. so words like yeah. big, get, but, the. Yeah.
1: And uh, he has a thick Australian accent right now, which is uh, interesting.
0: How do you feel about your son getting an Australian
1: accent already? It's nice. <laughs> it's funny. Sometimes I and his mother, we, we laugh. For example, the other night I was, I was practicing the word over. And when I say, look, Daniel, O-V-E-R, it's over. And he says, no, Dad, it's over. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> and, and, and the mom is laughing at me and then... And now he's trying to fix my pronunciation.
0: <laughs> and while his son Daniel is in school, so is his wife Masuma.
1: My my wife goes to TAFE. She's now trying to improve her English. She has plans for her future. She studied to be a teacher. She's graduated from university, and uh, now she is preparing herself to be a teacher here. Maybe one day.
0: Although Noor and his family are now trying to rebuild their lives here in Australia, it's his love for Afghanistan that makes him who he is today.
1: I am a very patriotic person. I love my country and uh, we used to be very civilised people one day back in the history. Philosophers, we have poets, we have writers. There are very friendly people out there. They're hospitable. They normally live, they have Kids, the children go to school, there are love marriages, there are bazaars, people farm, they create their handicrafts, they go to the market and sell them. There is a very interesting and normal life going out there as well. And that is the real Afghanistan. That is the true people of Afghanistan. Whatever you hear about the terrorism and all these things, we are tired of this. We don't want this terrorism out there. And, uh, you know, in general, Afghanistan is my home. I I was born in Afghanistan. I was raised in Afghanistan and uh, my whole life, I had friends out there. I'm I'm so connected deep into, I mean, my roots are deep into the Afghanistan soil. So uh, we we, we we are trained to love our country as much as we love our mothers. So I love my mother and I love my country.
0: Noor's worked as an interpreter and a security advisor. He also founded a tourism business called Let's Be Friends Afghanistan to share with the world this other side of his country, which he often feels is overlooked.
1: So the reason that I I started my company to show the beauties of Afghanistan was all the time when you used to see the media, when you used to see the reports and everything on TV, It was all explosions and bad things happening. This is true that we have problems at that time, at that specific period of time, but that was not everything about Afghanistan, you know? Uh, There were still lots of foreigners living in Afghanistan, but it was not fair to just cover the negative sides of things happening in the country and always talk about explosions, about kidnappings, about bombs about people being murdered, you know, stuff like that. So that news was very uh, heartbreaking. So I, I just, I don't know, I just thought to myself that let's change this, you know.
0: Last year, US and Australian troops withdrew from Afghanistan after more than 20 years there, and the Taliban began to take back control. Nor felt like his country
1: had been abandoned. I'm not sure why the international community could, kicked Taliban out in 25 days, in 2001, but couldn't destroy them in 21 years. All the might of international troops out there in Afghanistan. Everybody was there. Everybody hoped that at some point government will fight against Taliban, and then we suddenly heard a bunch of helicopters lift the 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 airfield of of Kabul and then the first guy who left from uh, who escaped from Afghanistan was the president of Afghanistan. It was really really heartbreaking. It was just a betrayal for for our people, our country, and uh, a joke for the thousands of our soldiers' blood. It sounds like you hold
0: the United States ultimately responsible. Yeah, of course. Yeah. How do you feel about Australian troops leaving Afghanistan after
1: the U.S. decided to withdraw? Australia was a friend of U.S. Australia never wanted to come to Afghanistan. They came to Afghanistan because America asked them to. And again, Australia will go everywhere where America wants to go. You know, so Australia is just a friend, a good, loyal friend to U.S. So when your friend does something, you need to support him. And now U.S. is proud that he accomplished their mission. They fought against the terrorism. They killed Osama bin Laden. Now there is ISIS in Afghanistan, Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan, and Taliban in Afghanistan. What have you done? You know, All these American soldiers' blood shed in Afghanistan. All these international troops died in Afghanistan. All these trillions of dollars spent in Afghanistan. Was it really just because of Osama bin Laden?
0: As he watched major cities fall to the Taliban one by one, Noor decided he would have to leave his beloved country. He still remembered what life was like the last time the Taliban was in power, back in the 90s.
1: Last time when Taliban came, they were just fighting, ruining, killing. Everything was... It was just a catastrophe. It was just a massacre happening to us in our villages. Especially probably because of the religious beliefs as well. At that time when Taliban came, there was no America. There was no infidels, no Americans out there, no international troops out there. So it was only us fighting against them. They were our enemies, and they tried to ruin us as much as they could. That's why I say dead bodies on the street, dogs eating them, piles of human beings, massacre, they were just pushing them with bulldozers, pulling them into a truck and then take them out of the street, out of the city and put them into mass graves out there. You can still find their bones out there in, that, in those places. For four years, I never went to school. I mean, I couldn't go to school. I wanted to, but I couldn't. And we had to live. We were, we were escaping from this mountain to that mountain, from one mountain to another mountain all the time. I, we had to escape. That's how our life passed.
0: After peace was restored, Noor loved his life in Afghanistan, so much he'd even passed up earlier chances to leave with the help of international organisations he'd worked with over the years. But he'd also been a vocal critic of the Taliban. I
1: never I never tried to censor everything, uh, which is wrong. And... Uh, as soon as they took over Afghanistan and uh, I had to I had to leave the country.
0: when he lost faith in the government's ability to fight against them, he knew that his family would soon be
1: in danger. so only only two three big cities were remaining Herat, Mazar, and Kabul was remaining. the rest all Afghanistan was lost. so at this point, I really was hopeless and I thought it's not going to happen uh, government is not really fighting against the Taliban. So if Taliban take over mazar e sharif I remembered my life from 90s, and it was a horrible time. And uh, I thought, it's going to be difficult for me.
0: Noor decided to visit the Blue Mosque. For him, it's an important symbol of his
1: country's beauty and history. I liked the Blue Mosque which was right at the city center of my city and it was like a nice shiny thing that anytime you, you would even approach the city from a very far away you could see the view of the Blue Mosque which was an amazing Islamic architecture from the 14th century and uh, it's one of the masterpieces in Central Asia and uh, it's amazing. So. I used to show the Blue Mosque to many, many travelers who were in love to see the Blue Mosque. They were coming from thousands of miles away to see the Blue Mosque and I was proud of that. And I thought that this Blue Mosque is a type of gift from our ancestors from hundreds of years ago to us to take care of this, to to be proud about this and to to show this to the people. it was the first time that I was really hopeless and I lost faith into our government. It was quite um, heartbreaking for me to, to say goodbye to the, to the blue mask, and I still feel... Should we take a break? Yeah, I think. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and his family take the last plane out of Kabul and arrive in Australia. Noor applied for humanitarian visas for his family, packed some bags with basic essentials and clothes, and headed to Kabul airport, along with millions of
1: other Afghans. So everything was going ahead in the late evening of one of those days. The Australian embassy sent me an email that you're approved. Mm-hmm. You should go to this, the northern gate of the airport. And the next day I came to the airport, exactly as advised by the Australian embassy. But when we came to the gate, it was a, a, a chaos out there, like millions of people out there. Everybody wanted to go into the, uh, into the airport. It took exactly 24 hours to straggle behind the gates and we couldn't go in. And then we try another gate and another gate and several gates. And finally from one of the gates, one of the Australian soldiers, they they checked my document and said, okay, you're okay to go in, but go bring your family. And I told the soldier, please help me because I have kids. My my daughter was only four months at that stage. My son was four years. And I said, we have two kids with us. It's very difficult to bring children. I saw kids out there uh, suffocated. I saw old people died. And I tried to explain the soldier, but the, the soldier said, no, we cannot do that. Please bring your children through this chaos and that's the only gate that you can come in.
0: After several attempts, they finally made it inside the airport. They slept on the floor that night and waited in line for 17 hours to get on an evacuation plane and then five more days in the United Arab Emirates for another plane to take them to Australia. What was going through your mind during all of that waiting?
1: One thing that was really bothering me was, I mean, all the time my families and my friends, that I was wishing that they would be there with me. And, uh, and every step that I was going ahead, I thought that I'm going further away from, from Afghanistan. And leaving Afghanistan with that situation behind was really bothering me. During the crowd, I saw lots of important people like celebrities, cinema, writers, you know, people like that. That I really loved them. I really wanted to meet them in a nice office, ask their signature behind the book that I was holding from them. But nothing like that happened. And I saw them in a very poor and crazy situation that they were begging for help and nobody could help them. And they were just just a normal person like me.
0: What did that make you think, seeing, seeing all these, you know, so-called important people, these celebrities, these politicians um, and, and families like yours, all in the same situation, all fleeing your homeland? Uh, just
1: the, the feeling of when you lose everything, you know. My feeling was that I was losing Afghanistan, Afghanistan turning into pieces just like an explosion that ruins everything. Afghanistan was exploded. Everybody was going everywhere. And uh, the land that I cared, the land that I loved, the land that I honestly tried to work for it my whole life, I saw that the result of my work is just nothing. Just, I'm just leaving. One morning you wake up and you see that zero, it's just the bare ground out there. Afghanistan was like that. Afghanistan was like my home, my very dream home, and I loved my Afghanistan. You know, I never, I never ever wanted to leave Afghanistan like that. But uh, I saw that beautiful home was just turning into pieces, and it was really devastating. But I mean, what what can you do? You know, it's um, that was really heartbreaking.
0: Nor still carries with him the guilt of leaving his countrymen behind.
1: I feel bad about my friends, about my people, about my family, about my country and everything that I left them behind. And I just came to a beautiful country like Australia with my family, my mother, my sisters, my brothers, my friends, my, my, my village mates, all there, they're suffering. And Afghanistan is left behind into the hands of of Taliban. And I cannot do anything. This is this is a very a very bad feeling. And I feel guilty of leaving Afghanistan behind in general. We should have stayed in Afghanistan. We should have fight for that. But actually, even if we have done that, we're actually a piece of nothing. Because the whole world is now planning on Afghanistan. Playing games, superpowers. You know, something which is really out of our control, and that really bothers me as well, that I'm just a piece of nothing. I cannot do anything for my country, for my mother and for the country that I, that, that I worship, you know?
0: For him, Australia had always been a kind of fairy tale place, somewhere that was impossible to reach and very far from home.
1: My whole life I heard about Australia in afghanistan lots of people their only aim and target was to go to australia because of the very difficult life that they had in afghanistan and they were tired of everything they sold their house they lost everything and they just came but they haven't reached to australia yet and i saw lots of people one of my teachers died on the way to australia one of my friends died on the way to australia and uh, there were just dead bodies coming back to our villages and, and we used to take them. I, I remember taking one of those dead bodies with lots of people into a cemetery. And I was thinking, look, this guy wanted to go to Australia, but because he was not safe here. And now his dead body is here and we are just bury him. And that's because of Australia and, uh, and how difficult this Australia is. And I was always asking to myself, is there really a country named Australia? I know that there is a country named Australia, but is that really existed? That was my imaginations and my beliefs and my thoughts about Australia. And suddenly I was right here in the middle of one of the most important cities of Australia. Can you remember what, what the feeling was coming, coming to Australia for the first time? Of course, I had a very... Uh, deep sadness deep into my heart because I just left Afghanistan and everything behind. But at the same time, I was so happy here in Australia. Everything was amazing. Everything was perfect, especially the organization. Ames was looking after us perfectly, and uh, and our coming into Australia was very smooth. And uh, when when I was looking at the high buildings in the CBD and people out there different types of people coming like you could see Thai Chinese you know Vietnamese uh, many other people any type of foods out there even afghan foods and afghan people Indian it was it was amazing that how vast australia was and how welcoming this country is and how this country can be home for all these type of different people from different parts of the world. The people who are happy, I mean, a boy and a girl hanging each other's hand and nobody cared. In Afghanistan, that's a big shame if you if, if you hold a girl's hand and walk in the public, it's it's a catastrophe. And uh, but in here, I saw people kissing each other, a boy and a girl just on the side of the road, and um, people just pass by and, like, nothing happens, you know? Just like a car passing by, just like a tram beeps, just like that, you know? And uh, that's freedom. That, that's a type of life that a human being should have everywhere, not only in Australia, everywhere. That's a type of life that I want in Afghanistan.
0: Things haven't always been easy here, nor had a hard time finding a home for his family to rent.
1: At one point, we had to we had to somehow find a house. We had to get out, so we tried to do many inspections, many places, and, and nobody wanted to give us a house because they, they easily asked us go apply online and said okay. And when we were opening the link, uh, asking lots of documentations, your your contract. Your income, your Australian documents, like the driving license or passport, whatever. And references, all of these things. And we didn't have them. We, we had no Australian documents. We had no experience living in another house. We had no contacts. And it was, it was very difficult. Mm. So I was, I was lucky. That friend of mine, he bought this house and at that time during that process he told me okay no no worries you can go and live into my house so i rented this house from my friend and uh, and we easily moved here i wanted to ask you about your first job in australia you had a bit of a difficult time there i I was hoping to start as a translator maybe well the the aims tried to explain to me that nowadays people can solve their own problems we don't really need a lot of interpreters or, or translators here in Australia now. and it's it's difficult to find a job. or at least we don't have that job available, but we have other jobs here, which was like normal jobs that they didn't need any experience was like working into a construction site or working into a factory, doing some deliveries, you know, stuff like that. Uh, I, I used to work in um in a factory, you can say. it was a big company. And they used to produce uh, heater tanks, like water heater tanks. And uh, I, I I started working out there at the higher level. The people were very nice, very very polite, professional. And then at the labor level, when I started working, I was I felt not welcomed out there. I mean. A, a small mistake could ruin the whole day when they easily could shout at you, you know. I, the whole day, I cannot say good morning to anybody. Sometimes I say it and nobody even replied to me. And then in the evenings, I just had to come just like that. No sense of friendship or respect to, to each other. That was really tiring and bothering. When I was coming home, I was coming with all those uh daily problems that i had i was coming with all those problems at home and then somehow the feeling of people don't like me was with me and then sometime at one point i thought that i'm not really friendly with my wife sometime i thought that i'm not really i'm um, sometime i shouted at my son because he couldn't learn a word and uh, i thought this is this is, this is dangerous i, I, I should stop this and uh, I couldn't, I couldn't react like that to, to my family, and then I had to stop it.
0: Despite these challenges, he's trying to stay focused on the things he's grateful for about his life in Australia.
1: I'm happy to see my kids are, are now growing in peace, which is the dream and wish for every parent to see their children grow in peace. Uh, with safety, he goes to school. I'm not worried about anything. Everything goes very normal and nice. But at the same time, I wish the same thing would happen to Afghanistan. I wish the school were open to the children in my country.
0: Is it difficult for you to follow the news about Afghanistan
1: now? Um, I don't really follow any news about Afghanistan because that really ruins my day and my time and everything I have. So I know. I know how the situation is in Afghanistan. I lived my whole life in Afghanistan. I know Afghanistan very well. And I know Taliban very well as well. So I know both of these people. And uh, now it's Afghanistan left there without any support. I don't watch TV. I only, this TV in my house is only to play cartoon for my kids, that's all. I deleted Facebook from my phone. I only have my Instagram business account that, I, that I, I'm able to reply to the questions of my customers. I don't want to hear anything about Afghanistan. It's more than a year that the whole country has no job, no income, no food, no security. And uh, so you can easily imagine what's happening there. Yeah. I'm more concentrated about my writing and taking care of my family and about my work yeah. He's
0: trying to start his tourism business back up from Australia, working with old colleagues who stayed behind in Afghanistan. And he's writing a book about the country and his own story. I'm very moved by your story. It's an incredible story. Um, you're very strong.
1: <laughs> I am I am trying to be. I've been through all this situation. It's, it's, the history is just repeating on us, unfortunately. But... Um, it's fine. This is this is just part of our life. And uh, we have to make out of it. Still, I have hope. I have hope that one day good things will happen. One day the spring will come back to Afghanistan. Flowers will bloom. And uh, the girls will go to school. Yeah, I hope one day nice things will happen. But... Uh, we should not lose hope, and uh, I'm more concentrated on my goals and on my targets. I want to continue talking about Afghanistan. I want to write about Afghanistan. That's that's what I can, you know, and, uh, yeah, we have to look for a good future. We are, we, I mean, look where we are. We are in Australia right now. We have to understand the value of this, uh, of this life that we have here, and uh, We have to go ahead, you know. Yeah.
0: Thanks very much to Noor Mohammad Ramazan for sharing his story with us. You can read Noor's story in his own words in an in depth article he wrote about this past year for Guardian Australia. It's a beautiful, detailed account of what he and his family went through in evacuating Afghanistan, including photos of Noor with his family and far more details and insights than we could include in this short podcast. I highly recommend you check it out. It's called A Year Since Fleeing Kabul Now My Children Can Grow Up in Peace. We'll post a link to this on the Full Story website. This episode was produced by Karishma Luthria and myself. Sound design and mixing by Miles Martignoni. Full Story's executive producers are Miles Martignoni, Gabrielle Jackson, Molly Glassy, and Laura Murphy Oates. I'm Jane Lee.
1: Catch you next time.